Welcome to the Parenting with Impact podcast with your hosts, Elaine Taylor-Klaus and Diane Dempster, co-creators of ImpactParents.com, an online community, award-winning blog, and service organization, helping parents all over the world to raise complex kids become capable, independent adults. Elaine and Diane are certified coaches with personal experience raising children with challenges such as ADHD, anxiety, and more, and extensive experience in guiding parents to raise their complex kids with confidence and calm. On the podcast, Elaine and Diane interview experts, bringing you cutting-edge information about your child's challenges, teach you real-life strategies to create lasting change, and demonstrate how coaching can guide you to parent your complex kids one conversation at a time. For the essentials of Elaine and Diane's coach approach to parenting, download a free tip sheet at impactparents.com slash podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to another conversation in the Parenting with Impact podcast. Happy to have you back. It's Happy Diane to have and a really Elaine. Good conversation. Just us. <laughs> Just us today, because there's something we really want to talk to you about. There's something we've been we're not going to even have a, it's not as much a conversation today as it is really kind of teaching. We're going to teach you something. Sometimes yeah. we do that. We'll talk about it too, but we're going to teach mostly. There's this tool that we've been using that we've been kind of creating over the last couple of years that we started really using at the beginning of 2022. And it's really powerful and people are really responding to it. And I don't know about you, Diane, I'm using it all the time in my coaching and in my teaching and in my groups well, and it's really helpful because it's, you know, when we created Sanity School, when we created our toolbox, I mean, the, you know, we've got a toolbox of like over 50 some tools that we teach parents in various programs and places and everything else. And the thing I love about the thing we're going to teach you is like, it's really super concise. It's a small number of things to remember and it's foundational, right? So it's a sort of, if you're lost, if you're struggling, we all want to go back to, okay, so where am I at with the foundations? Well, and I would also say that what it does is it integrates a lot of the other tools, right? right it, it brings it, it all together as a framework or a t- context, you know, in our realm with the coach approach, part of what we do is tools and tips and strategies. But if you don't have the context and the understanding for how those fit, then sometimes they're harder to use. And so this really is about giving you, laying the foundation and the context for how to use the the tools that we offer in in the coach approach. Does that make sense? And it's called the Pyramid of Independence. The Pyramid, oh, that's today's name. (laughs) That's today's name. Right now we're calling it the Pyramid of Independence. We have all sorts of names for it, but I love that one. Actually, I think that's really where where we're landing because it's just, it captures so much. Anyway. I want to stop talking about it and start. Well, yeah. About so, but one more thing about it, right? So, the reason it's the pyramid of independence is because that's where we're headed, right? It's just sort of what I want to instill in you as we're having this conversation that the big picture of what we're doing as parents is launching independent humans that have been living with us since they were babies, right? It's just sort of this is the goal is to move kids towards independence or what you were going to add something. Yeah. Can you stop the share for just a sec? Yeah. So here's how I've been talking about it a lot that's really resonating with people. Our job is to understand our kids well enough to help them understand themselves well enough to learn to manage themselves, okay? That's the shortest, most succinct version. We have to understand what's going on with them and their fabulous, fascinating, complicated brains to help them understand themselves without judgment and shame so that they're beginning to say, okay, yeah, I want to learn how to manage myself. And the process starts with us understanding what's going on 
and supporting them in the process instead of trying to drag them kicking and screaming through the process. Well, and I think the other piece that I was trying to kind of say with the sort of what we're really working on is independence. So often we get stuck in the, I'm trying to get my kid to do their homework. I'm trying to get them to stop hitting their brother, or I'm trying to get them to hang up their towel and take a shower. I mean, it's just sort of, we're so stuck in the present moment challenge task that we aren't realizing that what we're really trying to do is to develop self-awareness, life skills, all those sorts of things that is part of parenting generally, but we need to do more explicitly and more consciously because our kids are wired differently. And so if we focus on, okay, what we're really doing is trying to help our kids to become independent and not just get the chores done on Saturday, you're going to really look at this a lot differently. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there's so much more I want to add, but let's do this and we'll come back to that (laughs) because I went to this cool theater thing last night I want to tell you about and that kind of fits in in a weird way. Okay. So this is the relationship pyramid, the independence pyramid. I think I was originally calling it the relationship pyramid. That's where my brain went, but it's really the independence pyramid. And the foundation is relationship, but we're not going to actually start there, right? Right. We're going to start with the thing that encompasses it. And the thing that encompasses it is self-management and role clarity. And these are things I think, do we have, we have whole podcast episodes, one on the four, the rules of the parent (laughs) and one on sugar management. If we don't, we'll get one up really quick. No, we do. We do. We do. (laughs) Okay. So, um, you know, four roles of the parent, the director, the collaborator, supporter, champion. So we want to be, you want to be really clear on what role you're playing, where you are. Are you in a healthy role? Are you in a role that your kid wants you to be? Go listen to that podcast. The other piece of it is self-management, which is active trigger management, emotion management, overwhelm management, all those sorts of things for you, for your kids. Those are super foundational. Like we're going to talk about the fact that relationship is foundational. Self-management and role clarity, let's call them like super foundational or something like that. I don't know what we want to call them. Mega foundational. It's the context for all of them. None of this works. Fostering our kids independence. Your effectiveness is going to be directly correlated to how well you manage yourself and how clear you are on what your role is in relation to their independence at any given moment. Well, wait a second. So you said something pretty harsh and I liked it because I think sometimes we have to shake people up. This shit won't work (laughs) unless you're working on managing yourself and you're really clear on what your role is or should be, or you want it to be. I mean, this is where you really need to think about your role and you really need to be managing yourself. You know, yesterday I was interviewing Seth Perler for the Palooza podcast. We do Palooza every summer for whenever you're listening to this, the ADHD parents Palooza is in the summer. And, you know, what he talks about, and I love the language that he uses because he's unapologetic about it, is that we parents have to do our own deep inner work. Yeah. Right. We've got to manage ourselves and, and manage the, the emotionality around having complex kids and around, you know, what it means to parent them. And I, I had some really amazing conversations with one of my kids about this last weekend about, you know, what do kids need from their parents? And really, she's, what we came to was we need parents to deal with their stuff outside of the kids. Like yeah, parents I was, uh, need to manage it without bringing their stuff to the kid and saying, but I need, right. 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 No, I was talking to a mom. Own. I was talking to a mom yesterday who is experiencing an extraordinary amount of guilt and shame mm. around what happened young in her kiddo's life. They later in a diagnosis, all this sort of stuff. And now all of a sudden, I should have known better. I should have handled it differently. Da, 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 right. 
And so we talked about kind of really working on processing the guilt, the shame, so that she could be available in a different way to support her kids. Well, and the conversation I was having with with my child was about gender issues. And we were really getting in there with language around what do kids need their parents to say and not say when they're dealing with gender identity questions. Mm. And my daughter was saying, you know, we don't want to say to parent to kids, I still love you because that suggests that there's something wrong. Right. Right. And that's where we came to as parents, you know, we have to, this is the case, no matter what the issue you're dealing with, I don't care if it's gender or ADHD or autism or dyslexia, whatever your kid's dealing with. As a parent, we have to let go of what we thought it was going to be or their life was going to be so that we can embrace who they are. And to some extent, there's a bit of a, of a mourning or a grieving process. Yeah. But if we were to talk about that with our kids, that could make them feel really crappy. Yeah. So we really need to do that on our own and not bring that into the dynamic with them. So interesting, usually when we talk about self-management, Diane, we're talking about the direct trigger management. Don't yell, don't scream, you know, stop. But figure really, out how to manage it, right? But what we're talking about is both the self-management in the moment but also doing your own work around coming to terms with what this is to parent this fabulous complex kid. I love that. I love yeah. that. That's cool. So go listen to the podcast on role clarity. Go listen. If you want more details, on we'll put them in the show notes. Go listen to that. We'll put them in the show notes. Right. Yeah. Okay. So the, the piece here, and it's interesting. We taught this the other day and we had the bottom three bigger than the top four and it's like relationship trust and communication and, and elaine and i always kind of have this back and forth about which order these go in because relationship builds trust and communication builds relationship and tr- communication builds trust i mean it's like there's sort of this interplay between the bottom three but we put them in this order of relationship trust and communication because they're the base they're the foundation of this pyramid Right. And it's funny, we, we, we do go around and around about, well, that builds on that. Here's the bottom line. Bottom line is relationship. And any one of us kind of experts in this field, whether it's an executive function coach working with students or, or you know, the therapists or the coaches, we will all come back to the same thing, which is the foundation of all of this is relationship. Well, and I like what you just said. And a reminder, I was thinking about, um, I've got a client whose kid is just, you know, maybe a month into a therapeutic relationship and is doing okay. And now the, I think it's a coach is saying, you know, is starting to push because the whole first month was about getting to know each other and having fun Mm -hmm. together and playing, honestly, playing games together to, you know, to kind of like connect and build relationships, which is a great, you know, model because if we, how much time do we spend on getting stuff done versus, rebuilding or strengthening our relationship, even though we've been in relationship with these kids, sometimes, you know, 20 years, 15 years, seven years, whatever it is. Well, but oftentimes it's gotten fractured, right? And we've gotten into this control game or, so we didn't really talk about role clarity. I'm going to pull back because it occurs to me that we, we have to talk about that first before we get into relationship, because part of what happens very often when we have complex kids You know, you've heard us talk about the four roles of the parent. There's director is where we all start. A lot of us get stuck there. That's really a challenge. Then there's collaborator, then support, then champion. 
90% of the work that we're doing with our kids needs to be in that place of collaboration, support, collaboration, support, collaboration, support. But if we're in director mode and we get stuck there and we're playing the role of director, it's going to lead us to control battles. It's going well, to lead and us our to kids, power Our stuff. kids are going to see it as, I always say, our kids are going to start seeing it as dictator. dictator right? right. And at some age, they're like, mom, I'm dad, done. grandma, stay out of it. Right. right. Hi, it's Elaine. And if you like this podcast, you'll love our coach approach. Whether you're a parent looking for support or a professional supporting families, we invite you to download a free guide with 12 key coaching tools at impactparents.com slash gift. You can begin using a coach approach to help kids become more independent or improve all of your conversations at work and at home. That's impactparents.com slash gift. So part of rebuilding the relationship. So if you're a parent of younger kids, we really want you to look at what's your role. How are you shifting out of director and into collaborator as, as soon as possible in different areas and, and letting the relationship guide you in that. If you've got older kids where there's some friction, there's some control, some power struggles, then in order to step out of director and collaborator into collaborator mode, you really need to focus on the relationship. You've got to build the relationship foundation because that's what builds trust. And they're not going to give you permission to collaborate with them if they don't feel trust. And that trust is going to come from relationship. Let's shift to that word trust because it's, yes, it's trust. They have to trust you. And then there's a lot of research on kids availability for learning when they are in an environment where they feel trust. Right. And this is about our kids trusting themselves. And mm. this is about us trusting our kids. And this is about us trusting ourselves. I mean, there's like this four way sort of thing that goes on with trust, but it's really, you know, there needs to be that sort of energy of trust in the relationship in order to move forward, which is what we're talking about. We're trying to move up the pyramid here. Well, so trust comes from relationship. So right. we connect first. We, we find things to connect on that's not about the doing of life. Just being with each other, loving each other, playing with each other, whatever. We play video is. games with our kids, even when we don't like video games at all. Right, right. <laughs> and that allows for trust to cultivate trust. We don't want to use trust as a weapon right? It's not, I'll trust you if, I'll trust you when, but it's the trust comes when we are in connection and relationship with each other. Well, and I think part of this is, well, and this could be a longer conversation. We can skip over it if you want to, but it's, you know, (laughs) the concept of trust. If we believe trust is something that must never be broken, we always have to have our, and, and so many times our kids do things that break our trust, or we do things that break our own trust, right? But so we expect that trust will always be held and, you know, and it's terrible if trust is broken, we're going to handle it very differently than if trust is like a marble jar. It's like this sort of, sometimes we're going to break trust. And sometimes our kids are going to do stuff that are going to make it so that we don't quite trust them as much, but they can build it back. It's this sort of, it's, if it becomes this moving target that we're trying to add to when it gets subtracted from or build back, as opposed to something that cannot be broken. I think we handle it a little bit differently. Yeah, it took me a minute to figure out what you meant by a marble jar, but I think I got it. <laughs> oh yeah, no. So the whole marble, the, that's a whole other thing about positivity where it's like all of our interactions either add a marble to the jar or they take or a marble take out of the jar yeah. or they leave the marbles alone. It's a whole other analogy. Sorry, I didn't mean to like throw something in there. That, <laughs> that's totally cool. Can we do like, a marble jar podcast episode? Sorry okay, about that. I'll put that down. So yeah, so this notion is that we 
earn trust, we build trust, we foster trust, we cultivate trust. It doesn't exist or not exist. It's kind of constantly in flow and constantly moving. I'm thinking about a time when one of my kids got caught smoking pot at 15, right? By a, by a friend's mom who kind of ratted them, found her child and then called me and said, I hate to tell you this, but this is what the kids have been doing here this weekend. And so props to that mom for being honest with me. Right. And so when I had that conversation with my child, when my husband and I had that conversation, it actually turned out to be an amazing conversation because it was, you know, this has broken our trust and we, we had a really good relationship, right? We had that foundation there. And so we knew he wanted us to, oops, I gave it away. He wanted us to trust him. <laughs> and, I knew who it was, but I wasn't going to say. We wanted to trust him, right? But it was important for him. And so we were able to talk about in terms of consequences and was, you know, you're going to have to re-earn our trust. And what does that look like? And that may mean it meant you know, not going out independently with friends for a couple of weeks, or, I mean, I can't even remember exactly what it was anymore, but the conversation became about, we really want to be able to trust you. And my kid was like, yeah, I really want you to trust me. And so we were able to rebuild that consciously and clearly, as opposed to just kind of feeling upset that he'd lost, we'd lost trust. Right. Well, and there's, yeah, there's, so that's going to kind of segue us into communication because what right. you're highlighting is that the, the tools you guys probably used to have that conversation when you found your, your kiddo smoking pot were probably different than a lot of parents' reaction in yeah. terms of when they found their kid smoking pot. And so let's talk about communication because it really does make a difference in terms of building trust because part of what built trust in that relationship, in that situation was how you guys probably talked about it. Fair. Well, and, and, and so let's, the trust was broken. And so we needed to start the process of putting more marbles back in, of rebuilding right. it. And that happened based on that foundation of relationship by, as you say, how we communicated and how we communicated wasn't freaking out, yelling and screaming. I can't believe you. I can't trust you anymore. Right. We didn't go to those um, catastrophizing kinds of responses that, you know, there's part of you that wants to go to, you want to scare them straight. You want them to get worried, you know, like, and I wasn't, I can't say I was the kindest. I wasn't just, Oh, honey, it's okay. You know, I wasn't playing that game, but I was holding a place of compassion and love, right. Without judging him for his behavior and really saying, so the tools that we use, this is other podcasts. We used the design and we used ACE really acknowledge, we can understand how it happened. We, we have compassion. We were teenagers once. I've self-disclosed many times that, that that was an issue for me as a teenager. And then we really talked about, here's what you can count on us for, and this is what we want to be able to count on you for. And, you know, and so part of that was designing around never getting in a car with somebody who was inebriated. That was the moment that that conversation was really solidified. That was a really important conversation to have. Yeah. And it came from that opportunity. So sometimes the hardest situations we have with our kids are the opportunity to have even more powerful and important conversations. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. So I just want to check on this because we've got, we're only like a third of the way up the pyramid, but communication is again, another one that we should, or if we haven't already done a whole podcast on, because there's so many tools that we teach in this area about 
ways to improve the interplay between us and our kids. It's about shifting from telling to asking and mutual respect and communication and some of those things that you just described in, in the interplay that you had with your kiddo. But so how do we, how do well, we short say, To some extent, there's only so much we can do in a podcast. Like right. if you really want to learn this stuff, that's what sanity school is for. Exactly. Sanity school is your intro to your, your foundational training in the coach approach and all of these tools are in there. And so what we're trying to do is, is give you a framework to understand what it's for and how you can use it. But I don't think we can do it all here. No, I appreciate that. So moved on to collaboration. Uh, Yeah. So I want to say one more thing about this. We've got self-management and role clarity, which is our context. We've got relationship, trust, and communication, which is the foundation of the foundation, right? That's, That's at the core of everything. And then these upper levels, collaboration, problem solving, buy-in, and ownership, they kind of weave together right? They lead to each other, but they, we could move them in different directions and argue that as well, right? They can sort of blend around. But once you have the trust and the communication, that gets you into collaboration with each other, where you're sharing an agenda and helping your kid take their agenda. That brings us into the process of problem solving. And part of what we want to do with our kids is bring them through the process of problem solving again and again and again and again. You want to develop problem solvers. And what I want to say is that I think a lot of parents get stuck. I mean, it's it's like this bright blue, like shining in my face here, right? It's just sort of, we get stuck in problem. Oh, there's a problem. I got to solve it. Oh, there's a problem. I got to solve it. There's a problem. I want my kid to help me solve it, but they don't care, right? It's just sort of, so I'm going to just solve the problem, right? There's this endless loop, which puts us back into the director mode more than we want to be. Right, which pulls us out of this whole pyramid. Right, right? exactly, because we're just focusing on solving the problem without the context of, wow, I want to solve this problem with my kid, and I want to make sure that I'm teaching them the skill of problem solving while I'm doing it, so I've got to go back to relationship, trust, communication, collaboration, I mean, all these different pieces. Right, so collaboration and problem solving is at the very middle of this because it really is at the center of all yeah. of this, right? It's it's the core transition point from that relationship trust point to actually that ownership and autonomy. And sometimes I think ownership should come down. As I say, it, this is all fluid, but the notion is when we think about collaboration and problem solving, we want to think in terms of agency. Whose agenda is it? Is it your agenda? Is it their agenda? Are you supporting them in their agenda? Or are you dragging them to your agenda? Right. Yeah. And that's the game here is, is if you're dragging them to your agenda, you're not in collaboration, you're in director mode. Well, if and I was thinking the about agenda, oh, it's different. Go ahead. Well, I was thinking about, you know, the, the collaboration and the problem solving being in the middle. And so many parents are like, my kids won't ask for help. My kid won't work with me. They don't. And, and so a lot of us have gotten to points where the dynamic of collaboration and problem solving is broken. It was really interesting. My neighbor has a three-year-old. And I was sitting, having a cup of coffee, listening to them solving a problem out on their back porch. And it was fascinating to watch dad really working to solve the problem out loud with his three-year-old working with her. How do we do this? What should we do? It's this sort of really collaborated because the trust, the relationship, the communication and the willingness to work together was very different at age three than a lot of times it gets to, right? Well, and it's really interesting because this has come up a bunch this year is we often do this really well with toddlers. That's true. And then we forget when they get into grade school and the teachers and everybody start telling us they're supposed to do this independently. And so we start, we let go and move into 
phase four way too early instead of staying in that staying in that collaboration place. But we actually do it so well with toddlers. We give them choices. We ask them for input. And if we would just keep doing that through grade school, we'd have completely <laughs> different with different dynamics. Well, and it's that yeah. it's, it's teaching them collaboration. I mean, I think about the yes. fact that in, in the last two years, the the environment. My oldest is thirty seven. My youngest is twenty. 21. And the difference between the style of school with my 37 year old and the style of school with my 21 year old, with 21 year old, it's all about collaboration. All about what do you mean by school style of school? So the style of learning, sorry, the style of learning, right? So this is sort of, there's all this collaborative learning, working in teams, writing papers together. I mean, all that sort of stuff, which was so different now. And so our kids are being taught these skills in school, in a school if we can, environment, yeah. And if we can somehow tap into that and keep up with that, it's a great way to kind of keep the energy going with the collaboration. Yeah. So we need to wrap this conversation. I have one more thing that's coming up for me. And that's, you know, when we teach our model, and again, Sandy School, wherever you learn the model and our method of the coach approach, and we talk about taking aim on a macro level and a micro level. And in some ways, this pyramid reflects both the macro level and the micro level. On the one hand, we're talking about the big picture of how do we foster independence over time with our, with our people, with our kids. On the other hand, this independence pyramid can take place with one issue at a time, right? Sometimes we're looking at overall independence and sometimes we're looking at, you know, are you taking care of your room, handling your schoolwork independently, going and getting a job and getting yourself to work on time, whatever that is. So you can use this framework to say, how am I doing in terms of fostering independence, both on a big picture level, but also on very specific things that that we're inviting our kids to take ownership of. And as you're saying that, Elaine, I want to remind everybody that it's not just about the individual things. It's, it is about the big picture. Exactly. And, it, and I think that for a lot of us, go back to your comment about self-management and the fear and the guilt and the, all the stuff that kind of goes with parenting complex kids. If we can keep our eye on the big picture that someday at some point, we're really focusing on launching independent young adults. Sometimes that helps us to go, okay, wait, I've got time here. Wait, it's not about the the towel on the floor. It's not about the dishes on the sink. It's not about the shoes in the dining room, whatever it is. It's not about the homework. It really is about life skills and long-term and those sorts of things as you're going through the process of helping your kids to emerge. Yeah. Which is ultimately back to where we started. Our job is to understand them well enough to help them understand themselves well enough to learn, to want to manage themselves. Yeah. Right. And, and that's what this is about. And, and we hope that this has given you a good foundation. If you don't, we've often said, like for 10 years, we've been saying, if you don't know where to focus, start with self-care or relationship, right? Those are your two foundations. You can never go wrong by taking care of yourself, keeping yourself calm and present. Maybe we should call it self-management and relationship. That could be. Yeah. It's always evolving, y'all. All right. Anything else today? No. Thank you for being here. Thank you for what you do for yourself and for your kids. At the end of the day, it makes a difference. Take care, everybody. You've been listening to the Parenting with Impact podcast with Elaine and Diane. For more information on the Impact Parents community or to join Sanity School for Parents, please visit impactparents.com. 
If you like what you've heard, please share this podcast with friends who need similar guidance and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.